And then to stand in front, it's um, pretty scary. So I'm so proud of them, and I want to congratulate you parents for and encouraging and raising your kids that way. Way to go. Um, I was um, sitting here during worship and just, you know, I, I don't mean to daydream. I don't think I was daydreaming, but I just started thinking about some things today. And it might sound completely carnal to you, but it's not. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. You, you can decide later. But I was thinking about the Super Bowl. First time in a while that um, uh, I didn't have somebody that I really wanted to root for. And the reason I mention it now is because I don't think I like um, where I am right now on the Super Bowl because I'm rooting against somebody. And um, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't want to be against. And I find myself, myself thinking about you know, the Super Bowl. Um, well, I, who are you going to want to win? I don't know. Here's who I don't want to win. Here's, and and, and and I think many people probably think that way, but I don't like the way that emotion is churning in my soul. So I think I've decided in the last few minutes that at first I thought, well, I'll just root for Doritos because I think they'll have great commercials. <laughs> then I started thinking about the, uh, the, the referees. I, I just can't root for the referees. I mean, there's just something about that. But I thought about those poor guys. They are probably the very best at their trade, or they wouldn't get picked to officiate at the Super Bowl. And so for about three hours today, every decision they make is going to be pulled apart with a microscope and criticized. And every, imagine if everything you did at work was constantly being reviewed by millions of people, just in case we're going to catch every little mistake and you will hear about it. I mean, I I just... um, um, I, I was thinking through that whole process, and here's what we fans, if you're a fan of football, you think, hey, this replay thing is kind of fun to watch. I mean, it slows the game down, but it's kind of great to see it. Make sure that they get it right. So let's, let's help them make sure they get it right. And so our culture, to a degree, um, this, none of this is in the sermon, by this is a total rabbit trail, okay? <laughs> um, but we, we're going to get to the Word of God in a minute. But our culture, to a degree, has got to the place where this seems right to us, to always t- pick apart and to examine. And, um, and I just, I'm here to confess before you, as I'm th- during worship time, and I had a great worship time. Thank you for, for leading the way you did, Kyle. Um, um, the, this sense in me that I don't want to always be against, because I think that what that does is that fosters in our, in our culture. If, you watch, if you're watching politics, you probably got a whole list of people you're against right now. Maybe you are one of the few people who's only for one person, uh, but most of us are against a whole slate of other people. And um, I understand that. I'm embroiled in it just like everybody else, but I think there's something to be said for being um, positive and being for, and being salt, and being light. And um, I, I, so much so that I thought I would make these comments and take a minute just for us to pray about that. has nothing to do with today's sermon, but let's just maybe take that as a freebie on the side and pray. I, I would ask you to, to do this in your own soul. If you find yourself just a little bit more out there in, as you circulate in the world, find yourself just a little bit more angry than you used to be, and a little bit more against things than you used to be. This is the time for the Lord to just kind of massage something fresh and sweet into our sweet into our souls. Maybe it's just me. If that's the case, this is a great chance for you to pray for your pastor, okay? <laughs> so Lord, uh, I just want to pray today that there would be something sweet that would not only be massaged into my soul, but into the soul of every person who's willing today to be shaped by your loving hands. Help us enjoy the game, and Lord, but yet to come out of it... Um, 
sweeter than when we started. In Jesus' name, I pray that. Amen? Okay. Amen. So, um, you know, I like to start with a proverb, and today I decided I was going to do that just like every other time. Today's the seventh, but instead I decided to go into the Psalms. So you're going to get a short passage, a couple of scriptures from Psalm chapter 7. I just, sorry, I just decided to do that this time. So verses 9 and 10. O righteous God, who searches minds and hearts, who brings to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure? My shield is God most high, who saves the upright in heart. That wasn't a question in the first one. Let me read that again. O righteous God. You're, you're, oh, righteous God, who, who searches minds and hearts, bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. My shield is God most high who saves the upright in heart. Today I want to talk to you about um, the times when God seems late. Anybody here hate waiting? <laughs> I hate waiting. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I can't stand waiting for water to boil. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, I hate waiting for a green light. Now, I don't mind getting to the intersection and taking my turn, but what really gets me is when I pull up to an absolutely vacant intersection, and I got to watch the thing cycle through every other traffic movement until it's my turn again. I'm thinking, this stupid traffic controller, and that's exactly what it is. It's a stupid traffic controller. It only knows the clock. It doesn't know about me at all. I hate waiting. I'm the only one here that hates that. I know you're all going, oh, great, chance to catch up on my texting, aren't you? That's what you're thinking? Shame on you. Don't put your hands up. Anybody here hate waiting for your spouse? Do not put your hands up. Your your spouse? No, don't put your hands up. (laughs) I just want to see if you raised your hand or anything. Okay. Sometimes Sometimes waiting, it just doesn't feel like God's making sense. And the reality is that many of us, maybe even right now, you're waiting for God to do something. We're waiting. You're praying about it. You're believing God's going to do something you know he can, but he hasn't done it yet. And if you're like me, sometimes you'll get to the point where you start asking the questions. God, you know, you know I'm kind of wondering what's the deal, why? I mean, it, it could be maybe for you a financial challenge or, or, or some need for your job, or there's maybe a medical issue or maybe a relationship somewhere. And, and, you know, I mean, have you ever, how many, I mean, honestly, how many of you have ever got the question where you asked the Lord, Lord, why am I waiting? What is the, what, maybe not so brash, but you know, what's really holding us up? I mean, um, I mean, I think we look at things and we, we, we've seen, Lord, we've seen you do this, resolve this in some other person's life. And uh, I, I've got, got faith for it. I believe for it, but you're not doing what I think you should do. And um, so we end up waiting and waiting. And it gets hard, and sometimes it gets really awkward. I mean, I've had these sometimes tear, tear-filled chats with couples who are, are waiting to conceive. They just, they just want a child really bad. Meanwhile, around them, people are having unwanted pregnancies, and it just somehow doesn't balance out. It doesn't make sense. And, um, you know... Somebody else has, they're pregnant, they don't want a child, and, you know, we're begging you, Lord, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. Why are we waiting like this? Or maybe you've been waiting for the Lord to provide the right job opportunity for you, and you're ready to go to work, you know, you want to go, it's just not, the door's not opening up, and, um, or you're, you're needing uh, the Lord to, to bring a miracle in some relationship, and, um, you know, we just came through holiday seasons. Holiday seasons have a way of kind of 
exposing those kinds of strains. And sometimes those things, they just go on year after year and they just don't get resolved. And, and you, you believe God could do something about it. You, you've seen it and you're praying, but God has not fixed it. And you wonder, God, why are you making me wait? So here's a key, key thought that we're going to start with today and we're going to go from here and I hope you'll embrace this. With God, a waiting season, he never wastes. It's never a wasted season. Um, today we're going to go through this really powerful story in the New Testament about um, two sisters and a brother. Their names were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And these three people were very, very close to Jesus. And in, in a different story that, that um, I'm not going to go to today, um, it, it kind of makes me chuckle because Jesus comes to their house for dinner and, um, you know, the two sisters are kind of, they're like polar opposites and they're kind of going after each other. You have, you have Martha who's, who's really mad and angry because Mary's, you know, laying around in her mind. She's laying around and, and she, she, wants, she gets to Jesus. Come on, make her help me set the table. There's a lot of work to do here, you know. And, so, and, and of course, then Mary, on the other hand, is kind of laying around just doing whatever. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. I mean, so you, you have any relationships where one person's real, got everything lined up in square corners, and the other person's like, hey, whatever, go with the flow, you know. And, and so Jesus was really, really close to them. And, in fact, they were so close that, that, um, that he came to their house and, you know, he ate their lasagna. He, he's, he, eats, he eats their, well, it wasn't lasagna. I, I don't know what it was. Could you smile at me? Okay. Okay. All right. So he, he, he comes to their house, and um, that's how close they were. And um, he was so close that when Lazarus got sick, they expected Jesus was going to do for them what he was doing for everybody else. And I mean, he's, he's healing people. He's healing people out there. We're really close with him. We're like, you know, BFF. And... He's going to do for us at least what he's been doing for everybody else. But the thing is that God doesn't always make sense to us. So we're going to be in John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume, this spikenard, on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Um, as a side issue, I, I thought, okay, what was that stuff? You know, that, he, that she, it, was, it was an essential oil made from a flower called spikenard. And I thought, well, what's that stuff like? And I ordered some and I had grand plans at this moment in the sermon. I even have some of this essential oil. I got it. And what I was going to do was blow the scent so you could know. But then I was told that you can't do that. You got to heat it and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it's, it's cheap now. I mean, relatively speaking, the amount that she poured on his feet back then was probably eight or 10 ounces, uh, less than a Coke can. And at that time to get that much of that essential oil would take you a year's wages. Now you can get that same amount for, you know, the price of a good steak dinner. It's pr- relatively cheap. Anyway, sorry, you don't get the scent. I don't know why I told you, you know, what you don't get, but that was stupid, wasn't it? <laughs> Anyway, so it says, she's the same one who poured um, the perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus. In other words, you know, go, go, go tell him. They sent a, send a runner. They sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, you can see here how intimate they were with Jesus. They didn't even use his name. The one you love. And he would know who that is, as if he didn't love everybody. They're certain that resolution here is in the bag. You know, we, you know we're worried about Lazarus, but, but, but Jesus is healing all these other people. 
Come on, he's, he's in our small group. He's, he's close to us. He's been in our house. This is going to happen. We don't really need to worry. Just let him know. And they wait. And Jesus doesn't show up. Next day. Well, he's got to be on his way. He's going to get here. I mean, he'll probably be here by lunchtime. It's okay, Lazarus. I'm sure he's on his way. It'll be fine. We know he's coming. He's going to be here. Not yet. Next evening. Comes and goes. Can't believe he's not here. Uh, he's probably hung up somewhere. He'll be here tomorrow. We know it. I mean, chances are somewhere along the line, they may have started helping remind God why he needed to get there. You know, you know I'm a good person. I gave money to the guy with the little red kettle at Christmas time as I went into the grocery store. And I mean, I'm, I'm, remember God, I'm, I'm a good person. I, I help you out. So make sure you get here. Make sure you get here. I mean, I listen to Christian radio. I even posted my favorite verse on Facebook. I declare the word of God out there in the public. Come on, God, remember. And, and we start telling God and reminding God about well, all these reasons why he needs to be, be here and showing up for us. I mean, I serve at church. I serve in the nursery. That's a big deal because, you know, they spit up at both ends in there. It's like terrible. <laughs> Did I just... <laughs> that was my recruiting pitch. We need you. <laughs> you know, but they're reminding God, you know, you came to my house. You ate some of our food. We had pizza together. We're close, right? But Jesus hasn't shown up. He hasn't got there yet. With God, this waiting season that's going on with him is not being wasted. Something's happening there. And there are people in this room, some of you, that you're waiting just right this moment. You know, you're praying for something. You're believing. You have faith that God can do it. But God's not doing it yet. And I have two thoughts, I think, that will help build your faith in the middle of a waiting system. The first one, two thoughts to help you uh, to remember when you're in the waiting for God. First one is God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Now, I know that all sounds real poetic, and I didn't think that up. I couldn't find who the author was. I've heard that forever. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Just because Jesus hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer yet does not mean that he isn't going to answer your prayer. In fact, in verse 4, we read this. So when Jesus heard that the one he loves, Lazarus, is sick, Jesus said... Um, this sickness will not end in death. Then he says something that's pretty profound. You know, I mean, it's almost like he's introducing to us this whole new category of the way to think about things. And um, you know, he, he says, he said, "No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it." In other words, I know this is going on. I want you to know, I'm still in complete control. And, and he's basically saying, when you when you get to the end of the story. You're going to see that there was a purpose in it, and I, Jesus, uh, Jesus is going to be glorified through the process. And in fact, it's going to be through the very thing that you never, ever wanted to even have happen. He says, I'm going to be glorified through this. Remember that you know, the, the Lord's delays are, aren't necessarily a denial. And I would even argue that sometimes you and I experience um, what I'm just going to call a sovereign delay, a god orchestrated delay, a waiting period. God might do what you want, but he may not going to be doing it right now because he's got a different purpose. Why is God so fussy sometimes about the timing? 
I really think that many times it's because God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. I think sometimes God just wants to do something in us. And so there's this sovereign delay and there's this sovereign purpose. And I mean, I did this with my children as they were growing up. There were times that I fully planned to do what they wanted, but I needed there to be some time frame in there for something to happen in their hearts before it was going to be the kind of blessing that I wanted it to be. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes having your children wait is the most healthy thing. Because something changes and trans, translates in their heart. They, they become different. And, and it's just sometimes that's, I think, when God does it. And I can tell you from a personal, you know, in my own waiting seasons, that there, there, you know, there have been times that God wanted to do something in me before he did the thing for me. And, uh, you know, in that waiting time, God has forged in me more patience than there was before. I put it that way. Because I don't have patience yet. I don't. I, I, I can really tend to, if I start getting really central, you know, self-centered, I can get really impatient. And I can construct all kinds of logical, logical arguments about why I'm right to expect it right now. In fact, I need to help you understand this. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I will get that way. And sometimes the Lord says, hey, I think I'm just going to put a pause in here because I just need to kind of stretch those heart-waiting muscles that my son Terry. Sometimes let's get atrophied. And um, so I think sometimes I've been waiting for something. And, and, and in those times when I'm waiting, God teaches me to depend on him, to call on him, to, to praise him, to trust him. And, and to, to not live by sight, but instead to live by faith. Because sometimes I don't see what I want to see, so i got to trust him anyway. And God teaches me in those times that you know, his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and, and that he's got a purpose sometimes that I just don't understand yet. And here's this, when I'm weak, he is strong, because his strength is made perfect through my weaknesses, not my strengths. Sometimes God wants to do something in you before he does something through you. And um, you'll have a, a sovereign delay. And, and I want to encourage you and, and remind you in those moments, just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he's not going to do it. His delays aren't always a no. So Mary and Martha, you know, they're, they're trying to figure this out, and they're saying, come on, Jesus, you got to be here. Come on. you got to heal him. You have to. And time goes by, and Jesus doesn't arrive. But there certainly will. And, and Lazarus is really, really, really sick. He's got to be coming now. He must be on his way. That's what a friend does. And Lazarus can't wait anymore. And he dies. He's gone. God. Okay, I'll get this. What's the deal? Jesus is out. He's got time to heal the daughter of a Roman soldier, and we don't even like the Romans. And this is his friend. I'm ticked. <laughs> you know, he doesn't heal his best friend. This just does not make sense. The one that he loves, he's the one that he loves. He doesn't heal him. What do we do when God doesn't make sense? Eventually, Jesus gets there. But by the time he does get there, it's, it's actually insultingly rude how late he is. I mean, they've, by this time now, they've brought the meals in, they've wrapped the body, they've put him in a tomb, and 
You know, his body's been there a day and another day and another day and another day. <laughs> and then Jesus finally shows up and now it's become personal. You didn't heal him and you weren't even there for us when we were mourning. So it makes sense. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. How long is that? Everybody say it. Four days. <laughs> four days. And that is pretty significant. I mean, after four days, the NIV describes him as having a bad odor. The King James Version says he stinketh. <laughs> P.U. Lazarus is rank. It's not good. And, and, and it's important for us to understand that the fact that he had been in there for four days is significant. You know, why is it significant? Well, people in the first century had this superstitious belief that after a person died, the spirit would still hover for three days. So even though they were dead, there was some possibility, some hope, that somehow that spirit could get back in there and they could maybe come back. <laughs> Enough to walk on water like a lizard. <laughs> and that they could maybe come back. But by the fourth day, spirit's gone. There's no hope. And, um, you know, it's kind of like when in The Princess Bride when Wesley was mostly dead. Uh-oh. What he's saying is he's not... He's mostly dead. That's different than all the way dead. So now he squeezes the air. Okay, if you saw the movie before, you're with me on this. But um, Now, maybe some of you are thinking, why is he showing clips from The Princess Bride during a sermon? That's irreverent. It's because I'm immature, and I think it's funny. <laughs> I think Jesus thinks it's funny. I could be wrong, and he'll correct me on that if that's the case. But it's like they really believe that someone could be mostly dead. I mean, seems silly to you and me. And um, there he was. He's mostly dead. But this is day four. Now they believed he was all the way dead. He's dead. Spirit's gone. He's completely dead. There is no hope whatsoever. That's when Jesus shows up. There's no way we're going to get through this. It's going to be a miracle. If anything happens now, everything we can do is gone. There's no hope. Day four. I don't think that the number of days was rap, uh, random. I think Jesus waited because he was wanting to do something in them before he did something for them. And uh, so they're still kind of, they don't see this quite yet. I'm sure they're kind of ticked up. Jesus, you, you know, you let us down. You feel you didn't even show up. I'll get this. And I want to say to you, if you have never, ever experienced that before, you're probably going to it sometime. And the question is, what are you going to do at that moment? Where are you going to allow your heart to go at that moment? You could have done it. You should have done it. You did it for other people. I've been serving you. And out comes my list. Where are you? What's going on here, Jesus? Verse 20. 
when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Okay, boy, did she ever go out and meet him. I mean, remember, Martha's the, the, the uh, one, everything, help me set the table. And Mary's the one, she's the introvert, she's back home sulking. And um, so Martha is going to give this very direct to Jesus. And I, here's what I imagine, the Bible doesn't say this, but here's what I picture, you know, hand on the hip. You know, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died or something like that. Wow. I mean, she's hurt. She's a human being. She might be a little bit ticked or maybe she's way more angry than I just demonstrated. We don't know. You know, she's thinking, didn't you get my text? You got my text when I invited you over for lasagna. You were early. You were, you were, you were early that day. You, you got that text. And this is real life to these people, you know. Jesus, what are you thinking? I, I can't believe we're close. After all the things I've done for you, you couldn't do this for us. And I, I love the reality of this text. She's just absolutely, honestly transparent with Jesus. I'm going to read that again, and then we'll move on. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Then the very next verse, it says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And I love the reality of that moment because, you know, that's where sometimes we live. I mean, I, I've lived there before. God, I don't understand this. I, I don't. And, and, and I know you could do something about this, and you didn't, and it hurts. I really don't understand, but God... I do still trust you, but this hurts. I I told you um, last week, if you weren't here, I'll I'll just remind you, I won't spend a lot of time on this, about a very close friend of our family who, um, she's 30-something, and she um, grew up with our children in our household a lot. We took family vacations together and really, really close to us, and um, she's pregnant with her first child, and she's 30-something. And uh, she was just very, very recently diagnosed with a very rare form of mesothelioma that has nothing to do with uh, asbestos. And uh, it's not good. It's not good. The things that I heard her say to Lisa and I spent some time with her this week, um, the kinds of things that she said to us was, you know, we haven't named her yet. Um, We're going to do this as we go. But um, concerns like we don't know for sure if either I or the baby will survive long enough her to be born. I mean, that kind of savagely difficult things. And she's got the very best OB doctors helping her with the baby part of this, and the, just like the best oncology doctors. And she's got prayer and prayer and loving people and prayer around her. I mean, it's, it's really good. But she's still in difficulty. She's still weak. And the doctors don't know how long this is going to work. And I have things to say to the Lord about this. You know, she loves you, God. She's, she's do, been doing the right thing. You're going to answer these prayers. It's because this is impossible. I mean, here's the other part. I mean, God, I don't like this. I do not like this. I don't understand. But God, I do trust you. And I am standing before you. I'm trusting. I still trust the Lord. Jesus, if you'd been here, he would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I, I love the reality of that in the Bible. It it's just frees me up to be authentic, frees you and me to be authentic with God. 
This isn't the angry God that if you say the wrong word, he's going to demand an extra virgin jump into the volcano. That's not who God is. He sincerely loves you, and his heart is sincerely breaking when our heart breaks. But the Lord has purpose, a purpose. And this is where some of us are living right now. Some of you probably waiting for something, and it's just not happening. I mean, financial situations seem to get worse, and you know, month after month, and you're praying about it, and you're trying to do it, and you're working hard, and the best you can, or you're fighting for your marriage. And it seems like the harder you fight, the more disconnected your spouse becomes, and you don't, you know, and you're wondering why, and you're, or you're praying for somebody that you love for some sort of a miracle, and and you know God can do it, but he hasn't done it. And then it's, God, I, 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 you're not meeting my hopes here and my expectations, but I believe in you. I trust you, and I'll worship you. I'll honor you, and I do, and I serve you. Why aren't you doing what I'm asking you to do? The second thing to remember when that's going on is this. Number two, if God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. Let that soak in for just a minute. He'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. I explain it kind of like this. I'm in my Bible with my, one of my most important possessions, this bookmark my little girl gave me who's grown up now. In my Bible, um, this whole story happens on page 1595 right down here is a story about Lazarus. And, and um, he's in a lot of trouble um, on page 1595. In fact, there's actually no hope for this guy right here. And, you know, four days have gone by and he stinketh and it's not good. And, you know, Jesus, you let us down. You just let us down. Then you flip the page, page 1596, and Jesus, verse 23, he says this, your brother will rise again. I love that. 1595, there's no hope. Page 1596, and the Lord speaks, and everything changes just because the Lord has said something. He says, your, your, your brother's going to rise again. I mean, 1595, I pray, I see nothing, I've lost my hope, it's just not going anywhere. The next page, the words of Jesus, everything changes in a minute, and Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again, and she's confused. She doesn't get this. Verse 20, 24, Martha answered, says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. In other words, she knows what's coming, you know, when the dead raise and with Christ and they're called together in the end. She says, I know that, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. There's something else at work here. You thought what you wanted was the best thing for him to be healed. But I have something way, way better. And I want not just him, but a whole lot of other people to understand this. Verse 20, 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He's wanting her, he's wanting the two sisters and you and me to understand something so much better than our own expectations. She thought that Lazarus' healing was going to be a happening, an event. She thought that someday the resurrection was going to be an event. He's saying... The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It's me. I am the resurrection, he says. When I die for your sins, and you put your faith in me, even though your physical body dies, 
You don't have to die forever. Your spirit will live forever. And it's because I am the resurrection and the life. Pretty powerful thing he's saying here. If God always met your expectations, he wouldn't have the opportunity to exceed them. Mary and Martha were expecting a healing, but Jesus was planning a resurrection. What they wanted was good, but what he had planned was so much better. And you're waiting for something and praying for something. And if you got that something, it may not be as good as the really grand thing that the Lord has plans. There's, you know, I've seen this story enough times, you know, where a, a woman will be heartbroken and there's a guy, I, I want to marry him, I got to have this guy, and doesn't marry him, and three years later, she's married to somebody else. And now she looks at the, the first guy and goes, oh, did I dodge a bullet on that one? <laughs> I mean, this guy is such an upgrade. He loves me so much. I mean, I've seen that. And what you wanted is, is, is not as good as what God had planned for you. Or you, you, you know, I've watched people, you, you wanted a specific job, and you hoped to get that job, and you didn't get it, and you were disappointed. And nine months later, you hear that company is downsizing, and they're doing layoffs, and people are losing their jobs. And the job you have, you're so happy with. You know, Mary and Martha, you know, Jesus, come and heal him, heal him. We want you to heal him. And Jesus says, no, I'm actually going to raise him from the dead because I want you to know that I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. That anybody who believes in me, believes in me, they won't die spiritually. Because basically what they expected wasn't his purpose. He had something better planned. Jesus looks at them, and he's standing outside the tomb. The famous part of this whole story, which I know you've all heard a lot of times, verse 43, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You know, wake up, dead boy. (laughs) You're coming back to life. (laughs) And verse 44, the dead man came out. Wow, what a moment that had to be. I mean, if there are recordings to watch when you get to the Heaven's Library, that's a definite one I want to watch. I mean, this guy coming out of there who stinketh, and everybody says, no, he's completely dead. What a moment. And, and God's delay was not his denial in this case. You know, you, maybe you've been in a waiting zone, and that season, it's never a wasted zone. You know, God, God wants to do something many times in you before he'll do something for you. And if he always met our expectations, he'd never exceed them. Just because you're not married right now, and you want to be married, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, doesn't mean God isn't really preparing somebody really special for you. Just because your marriage isn't that good right now doesn't mean that at some point you're both not going to find your way to submitting yourselves to Jesus and absolutely falling in love with each other and walking as friends better than you ever dreamed. Just because your child isn't walking with the Lord right now, maybe they've wandered away a little bit, doesn't mean that at some point the Lord isn't going to just absolutely corral them back in and they're going to to absolutely walk in unity, best friends with the creator of the heavens and the earth, serving and walking with them. Just because you don't see it yet doesn't mean that God isn't going to happen because here's the deal. Sometimes that place of our greatest disappointment 
can become the very setting for God's big miracles for us. The thing that you never, ever wanted to happen, God uses that to bring his best goodness to you. What do we do when God doesn't make sense? When we're waiting. About a little over a week ago, Lisa and I got a phone call from a family in the church. And I got permission to share this story with you, but I'm, um, I'm, I'm not going to name names. Um, but the husband fell ill. He felt ill early one morning. And it got worse through the morning. And it seemed to get worse fast. And wives, you know, they noticed these things about us guys. Said, you know, should I call 911? No. Which, you know, that's the typical standard tough guy response. It's like not following directions or looking for them. We just, no. Then second, yeah, maybe you should. So they came and they gave him the ride to the hospital and he was pretty sick with some bacterial sicknesses that just got into his body and, and slammed kind of into his body. Spent the day in the emergency room and then he went into septic shock. And they moved him to the ICU. If you don't, don't know what septic shock is, I don't want to scare you now. It's a lot easier to talk about this on this side of the story. Septic shock is where the toxins become systemic. They get all through the body. And if it doesn't turn around, the organs can fail. And as the organs start to fail, the blood pressure can drop to the point that you can die. In fact, septic shock um, is the highest cause of death in ICUs in the United States. Serious. Half the people in a hospital ICU with septic shock don't, don't walk out, roughly speaking. So this friend says to Lisa, you know, we're on our way. They're now in the ICU waiting area. The report is his blood pressure is like 69 over 30. And if you don't know those numbers, that's not good. That's really, really serious. So we show up and we join them in the waiting room. Um, His wife and adult children, uh, a daughter and three sons. and, And at that moment... We're on page 1595. We're calling on the Lord. We're reminding him. (laughs) We're doing all this stuff. Lord, you've got to intervene here because this isn't good. The doctors are doing what they're, you know, they know how to do and, and we're waiting and we're praying, Lord, protect this husband, this father, this loved one, this friend. Protect him, Lord. And we're waiting. And some of you right now, you're parked on page 1595. You're there. You're believing that the Lord's going to show up on page 1596. And there's no guarantee that on page 1596 that Lazarus is going to step up. But he he does in this story. But there's no guarantee about what you wait for, what you're waiting for. There's no guarantee that you're going to get a house with a granite countertop. There's no guarantee that you're going to get a higher paying job. There's, there's, there, there's no guarantee that your spouse is going to do the right thing. And, you know, or that next year is going to be a better year. There's no guarantee. That guarantee, that's the American form of Christianity, and it's not real. We're, so we're up there praying. We're on page 1595, praying for the Lord. The only guarantee is that somehow in this process, Jesus is going to be glorified. 
Somehow. We know that. He's always glorified. He's got a plan. We're, we're, we're on 1595, believing for 1596. Lazarus is healed. And he goes home to live this life, this amazing life. But no matter what, whole, what happens on page 1596, I need to trust God. I've got to be there where I can trust God. I don't understand, Lord. But at your word, I believe you can do anything. Well, so this, this friend who we, we're talking to you about, you know, he went home. He's, he went home with his wife, not the other home, right? Okay. He's sitting here today. He's good. And I had permission from the family to talk about that story. But we sat in a waiting room, waiting. And I know that all the doctors had given him the meds and the, bio, the antibiotics and that kind of stuff, the doctors were waiting too. They did what they could do, but everybody was waiting. Everybody. And sometimes God has us waiting. For those of you that are stopped right now on page 1595, and there could be many of you here. I mean, I don't know who you are. I hope you will know and feel and sense the presence of, of and the love of God, knowing that, that just because you're waiting doesn't mean that the Lord is wasting this time. And just because he hasn't said yes doesn't mean he's not going to do it yet. And also know that the Lord has probably want to do something in you before he does something for you. Scripture promises, it says that all things work together for good. It's qualified. To those who, one, love God, and two, are called according to his purposes. Proverbs 19.21 says, basically, that we make our plans, but it is the purposes of God that will prevail. I think the Holy Spirit stuck that scripture down into two little girls today to loosen the ground, not that you have tough ground. But I just think the Holy Spirit is, is wanting us to rise to a level of faith that isn't based on what we see, but instead it's based on the character of a loving God. Let's pray. God, today I, I want to one more time out loud pray for this family friend of ours. I am asking for her to be healed and that little girl to be preserved. You did it for others, Lord. You did it for so many. This is supposedly an incurable cancer. Heal her, Lord, I ask. I'm asking for that, God. And um, I want to pray for the people in this room who are maybe waiting that, Lord, you would do the works in us that you want to do. But I also want to pray about the topics for which we wait and ask God for mercy and love and provision and forgiveness and, Lord, you to intervene in relationships. I ask God for the very things that are being prayed about in this room in these moments. Lord, I agree with my brothers and sisters in this room as we seek after your highest and your best. So, Lord, let there be something that shapes in us that's by way of larger faith. Let there be something in us that that is sweetness in our soul as we go out into our community. Let there be something in us, Lord, that is pleasing to you, that is usable in your capable hands.